I mean, if you don't know where to use what, and again, it goes to say that, you know, we all start with the how and the what, and then we graduate into the when and the where, because, you know, you, you need to know when to do certain things and where to do certain things. I think the journey of an animator is all about exploring that and really understanding where to utilize uh, your ideas and where to put in and sprinkle in something. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that understanding would really propel you higher. Welcome to Animator's Journey Podcast, where we discuss the ins and outs of being a 3D animator in hopes of helping you on your animator's journey. I'm your host, Lucas Ridley. If you're interested in starting your own animator's journey or continuing it, then check out animatorsjourney.com where I have all my courses that you can take as well as a community that is there to support you and give you feedback, which is so important. These courses are accelerated and simplified so that you can reach your animation goals much quicker, whether that's starting a career in animation or or working on your own personal projects. You need the animation skills to do that, and that's what these courses provide in an approach that you can't find anywhere else online. I've actually had some students come from other schools who are struggling to understand those teaching methods, and that they said they really started to click once they enrolled in Animator's Journey. So if you're interested in checking that out, please visit animatorsjourney.com. Without further ado, let's begin the podcast episode. Welcome to this episode of Animator's Journey podcast. I am with DreamWorks Animator. Prashant Cavalier, and I'm super excited to have him. He is a veteran animator currently at DreamWorks Animation with many amazing shows and movies under his belt that we're hopefully going to learn from his knowledge and hear about his animation journey, how he got to where he is now, and what advice he might have for everyone else and people like us who want to get to where he's at. So thank you for joining me, Prashant. Thanks so much. Thanks for inviting me. I look forward to this talk. Yeah. So bring me back to when you started your animation journey, because I noticed in your LinkedIn profile that you actually have a degree in mechanical engineering. Is that correct? Yeah. So you graduated with a degree in mechanical engineering, and then did you always know you wanted to become an animator and you were getting that degree kind of as a safety thing, or did it transition after college and you, you went a different path? How did that come about? So I didn't have the slightest of clue that I would end up in this field, to be honest. Like you say, I come from an engineering background. The way it happened was that uh, in my final year of engineering, the final year project, we happened to do a project that was a design-oriented project. We were designing a component for uh, the Jaguar aircraft. I remember for the presentation of that, we were kind of you know wondering what's the best way to do it. Uh, that's kind of when I suggested... Uh, Let's try out 3D Studio Max because back then I had a kind of a working knowledge of what 3D Studio Max was. I, you know, I had done a course in it uh, way back. And uh, so I had a basic understanding of what things are. So we went about that and then it, uh, it was pretty well received as well. But what, I, what, what it actually did was that that whole process kind of got me intrigued about the creative possibilities within the 3D space. Uh, I didn't know much then, but then, you know, something about it got me really intrigued about the whole process. A few months passed by, I was kind of, uh, you know, giving interviews like every engineering graduate would, like I was applying for the tech industry, like a job in the software companies. And I think, uh, you know, one of those days it really hit me. I felt was I was not really wired for all of that. And I kind of decided what I didn't want to do in life for sure. Uh, but I had to really take a call. So I thought, why not give this a go, like uh, this whole CG thing. So that's kind of when I made the switch, I would say. So it's something that was triggered during my engineering days. And then, you know, I then went deep into it. I kind of completed a course that I had abandoned in the past in 3D Studio Max and After Effects, I think. I think the end of the course, I uh, was also placed into a company and uh, 
Uh, this was like in 2003 or 2004, I think early 2004. And then back then, not many people knew about what animation was. And it was like really hard for anybody to take up, you know, to take it up as a serious profession. And there was a sense of naivety in me, I would say, because I was not really sure where it, all of it would lead. And my parents were like super supportive, I would say, like, you know, because, you know, it's so easy to have like, you know, people around you, like you've got other uh, uh, other friends who are joining bigger companies and, you know, earning fat salaries. And here I am, like, uh, telling them that I want to do something totally different. So that was quite a, quite a challenge. Um, how, how did you have the courage? Because it seems like if you've invested so much time in a, mechan a mechanical engineering degree, which has a clear path to a, a job and a career and you know you can kind of see how that works and you and there's so much mystery around animation um and i guess geographically where were you at the time uh, i was in india yeah and so, so I, I mean i i'm not that familiar with like the industry in general in india but I, i'm assuming in like 2003 especially it probably wasn't a lot going on there maybe like how how did you uh, just have the courage to like pursue this thing that you, you weren't so sure about. Was it because you were, you knew, like you said earlier, you definitely didn't want to maybe do these other things. And this was like the next best thing for you. Or was it, was there some allure that you could articulate or was it just kind of like, let's, let's just try it. And like worst case scenario, you know, you just go back to engineering or how, how did you have that courage? Sort of, yeah, that's kind of was my, what was my thought because, you know, having an engineering degree definitely helps. It's something to fall back upon. So, but let's say something doesn't work out. So I was happy that I kind of graduated out of engineering and at least I have an engineering degree that way. But then I was always drawn into this whole thing. Like, you know, I, I really didn't ask myself as to what's, what's it going to lead me to. Like, um, of course, there were companies out in India. My aim was to perhaps join one of the top companies. Like, there were a couple of couple of companies uh, in Bombay, and I was in a different city. I was in Bangalore, and then there were a couple of companies in Bangalore as well. But you know, they were all doing perhaps like you know television episode sort of a stuff back then. Like that was big. But then, I mean, I, I, there was not much to really look forward to, and I kind of just went with it just out of pure love of you know what I was doing, because um, I think we worked with a VFX soup from one of, uh, I think, a Canadian VFX who had come over to Bangalore. And then we worked on a project where we did some underwater torpedoes coming out of a submarine and stuff like that. I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Like, you know, I don't know where it's going to lead me. I don't know what I want to go do, but uh, this seems good. It's just a sense of that, I would say, because, you know, it's scary. I mean, it's it's not something I would really endorse, I would say. <laughs> yeah, I would say I was like super lucky as well. Like, you know, uh, one thing led to the other. And uh, we had a startup after that as well. Um, so I worked for that company, this 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 company where I did the the the, the torpedoes and all of that VFX stuff, and then uh, we had a small startup after that. And, and, we were doing and sorry, just to clarify real quick for that journey of like connecting the dot on from the Jaguar presentation to this, like did the Jaguar presentation get you that first job? Like, how did you get your first job doing the torpedo thing? I, I completed the course that I mentioned to you. Like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So it was a. Basically, you get these placement offers uh, at these institutes, and they kind of uh, put you through certain companies. And, so, was uh, through was it a brick and mortar place in India? Yeah, and in Bangalore. Yeah, in Bangalore. Okay, yeah. and they have the connection with that company that's they can pl help place you. It sounds like okay. Yeah, cool. exactly. Gotcha. So, um, so yeah, that that happened, and then um, and then we had the startup after that. So you know, a few of us branched out of that, 
And then we had a startup where uh, we were doing uh, basically small scale to medium scale work for the gaming industry. Like, you know, certain companies in Ireland and other places around the UK. Also, design visualization was like the main breadwinner for us. Like we would do architecture walkthroughs and stuff like that. But the the, the but the the backing thought was that, you know, we eventually would do our own IP uh, sort of a thing. So unfortunately, we were hit by the recession in 2008. And, you know, and around that time, I had to take a call. So um, I luckily was doing animation mentor around that time. So I finished Animation Mentor, I think at the end of 2008, and I was super lucky that uh, around the same time, again, it's all luck, <laughs> um, around the same time as when DreamWorks opened their unit in Bangalore. And I was like, wow, this is amazing, because you know I just finished Animation Mentor and there's DreamWorks right here. So, so I approached them, but then at that point in time, they didn't have any openings. And I thought, okay, fine, I just tried, perhaps I should just stick to what I, what I was doing. But then, uh, Luckily, after a few months, I got a call from them again. And then they asked me like, hey, can we start a conversation with you? So yeah, I was super lucky. I got through DreamWorks. That was 2009. And then uh, I worked there for almost eight years, I would say. I had an amazing time there. Met some amazing people. Got to work on some amazing projects. Basically, that whole unit was like a mirror of what's here in Glendale. We had the same infrastructure. Everything was the same. We also shared portions of the projects that were happening over here and stuff like that. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So that was great. Like, you know, we got, we started off working with some DVD specials, I would say. Back then, there used to be these DVD featurettes and stuff like that that used to happen uh, when DVDs existed. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and then uh, we started to do uh, bits and portions of movies uh, done over here. And, uh, and then finally, we got to do Trolls. Sorry, uh, Penguins of Madagascar was the one movie that we did. I think almost entirely in the DreamWorks India unit, almost eighty-five oh, percent wow. to ninety percent of it was done in our unit there. So, uh, how, how big of a team was that? Of, of I just think the animation department, I guess. As anim in, in the animation department, we were around thirty-five to thirty-eight of us, I think. Okay, so that yeah. I was thinking that it'd be even bigger than that, but that's okay. No, the whole team, the whole crew of the whole uh, unit was around three hundred ish. Okay. So uh, yeah. Yeah, great time there. And we got to work on penguins and it got us good recognition, good, you know, good reviews. We slowly slowly started to work on larger chunks of movies. Trolls was our last movie, I think. And I think a bunch of us traveled to the States here as well for Kung Fu Panda 3. I think that's around the time when I did that test that you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. For um, those listening, um, Prashant did this amazing test with uh, Malcolm in the middle audio. <laughs> But with Poe from Kung Fu Panda, it's on his uh, Vimeo page, and I saw it years ago, and it's it's stood in my mind, and I didn't realize that was your work until right before we started talking. <laughs> so it's very well done. It's it's very memorable um, performance. Um, can can you talk a little bit about the transition you mentioned from you know making the transition to Glendale? Was that for like a a contract kind of time, or was that a, kind of a permanent move? What, what was the uh, transition when you went from the bank or I, sorry, where, where in India is the DreamWorks unit? Is it in? Uh, so, yeah, I was in Bangalore. Bangalore. Uh, that's where it was. Okay. Then I transitioned to Glendale from London. So I was in London for a bit. Right. And that's so, why you stood out because of the frame store thing, which is another question I had about transition because you were in kind of feature animation and then you went to VFX and then, and now you're back in feature for a while. How, can you talk about that transition a little bit? Was it difficult 
style-wise? I mean, it seems like you've done everything style-wise. It was quite challenging for sure, I would say, because um, I had no exposure to VFX animation because everything that I did had, you know, like I say, like I've been in the industry for about 13 years and most of it has been with DreamWorks in one form or the other. Um, so I didn't have much of an exposure to VFX animation, but when DreamWorks India shut, I, that's a conscious decision I made because I wanted to get to a place that was like up and running with projects, like, you know, with a regular inflow of projects and um, Framestore London seemed like a pretty good place. And uh, when I got a call from them, I was like, of course, more than willing. And besides, I also wanted to try out VFX because, you know, it was good to try something different. When I joined Framestore, like my respect for VFX animators went up like tenfold. Like it's because, you know, like, I mean, it was a little overwhelming for me in the beginning, for sure, because um, it took me a while to really understand like the amount of technicalities that are involved in, let's say, doing a VFX shot, like so many iterations before you really get to the crux of the shot. And, uh, you know, like uh, the camera plates changing and, you know, rebuilding the shot. I mean, I, I guess you guys still do that. It's like, you know, I was like, wow, I mean, this requires a whole level of, um, you know, a different level of focus altogether because, you know, you need to kind of hold on to your thought process of the, you know, what you're going to do with the shot and still kind of get through all these technicalities and somehow be able to steer the ship. And that to me was like really challenging. It was a little tricky. My first project was Paddington. I guess it took me a while to get to do things the right way. And then um, and then I kind of got uh, got into the groove around when I was doing Mowgli. So uh, Pikachu was the last thing that I worked on while it was a frame store. I didn't get credited for that, but I was there for a good three months. Hmm. And it's on the time when I, you know, I barely got to work on a couple of shots and those two shots kept getting changed over and over again, different iterations. And eventually I didn't get to finish them. But uh, whatever it is, I think I had a really good time at Framestore. Like, you know, amazing people to work with. And um, yeah, know, out of curiosity, who, who who were the supervisors you worked with? Max, Max Solomon. That's who's my supervisor right now, actually. He's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, That's yeah, bad. Max. And then uh, there was Pablo as well, Pablo Grillo. Yep, he was my supervisor yeah. previously. That's Pablo funny. was on uh, uh, Paddington, and then Max was on Mowgli. And, uh, and then uh, Dale Newton was my super on okay. Pikachu. I, I don't know him, but yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Great people to work with. Yeah. Amazing crew. And mm -hmm. even the production staff was like super supportive. Uh, yeah. Around that time is when I, I mean, I, uh, when I was doing Pikachu, I kind of felt it was somewhat closer to what feature animation is. Cause you know, the characters were kind of more on the cartoony side and, you know, it was closer to what it could get to. Uh, but uh, around that time is when DreamWorks contacted me again. And I think uh, it was uh, Annecy or something like, and I think they sent out a mail saying that, hey, would we be seeing you there? I was like, why are they asking me this? Like, and that's when I uh, kind of started this conversation and they said that, you know, we'd like to, you know, have you over, it would be awesome. And I was super glad, super thankful that they remembered me despite being out of DreamWorks like for a good two and a half, three years, they still kept me in the loop. And I was like, super thankful. I said, of course, I'll be willing to do that. So, um, uh, so that's when all of that happened. I had to move from London to Glendale and get back to feature animation. Um, I've been with them since then. Yeah, twenty eighteen October. That's great. Was there was there a big culture shift from London to Glendale, or was it pretty seamless going to the United States from the UK? Uh, I would say it's different. I mean, I love London, man. I mean, um, uh, I mean, because you know. 
it's kind of closer to india as well and then you have a lot of indian strong indian community there as well true and the only thing that was kind of bugging there was the weather yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and and my daughter was like super young like she's she had just turned one around that time okay and it was that much more that much more trickier for us to go out and travel and venture out but for that i think london was amazing uh, los angeles is great i mean i'm just amazed at the amount of space that they have over here like you know the vastness <laughs> Yeah, it's it's crazy because I remember when we were making the move, uh, I was looking at the Google Maps and I was like, "Hey, yeah, this is just a few streets away." And then when you come here, you start walking. They're like, it's like half a mile away. Like you know, it's so spaced out. A hundred percent. I went from yeah. I moved. I did the reverse what you did. I went from LA to London, and I I went from having between my wife and I three cars, and now we have zero. So uh, <laughs> you definitely need a car in the United States. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. We kind of survived without a car for about a year or so, and it was getting crazier for us. So yeah, that's when we kind of went for one. But, so when you when you made the move, was it kind of like we're going to make this happen and be there for the foreseeable future? Or was it kind of like let's test the waters because kind of a like it, geographically it's just like a big move, or was it kind of like I'm committed to to here now because you had so much history with them? It seems like that'd be like pretty solid footing to expect to be there for a while. Yeah, in terms of the work environment, of course, I was like pretty sure because, you know, I love the people over here. Even in terms of the place, I was kind of happy that the weather was better. But then my 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 job uh, was as, as, as a regular employee. It was not a contract based job. So right. they weren't hiring me for any uh, one specific project and they call it at will. That's kind of what they mentioned, because, you know, uh, so you, you're free to join when when you want and you can leave when you feel uh and that goes the same way with them as well they can just you know if there's no inventory they might just let go of people <laughs> but it's been good so far i mean uh it's like it's like in the last four years i've been here i've been already associated with five projects feature animation tends to be a little more quicker than uh, vfx i would say and you end up doing more volume of work as well are you typically given it like a single character and you you go with them the whole show or are you given shots and it just whatever's in the shot you animate? Yeah, it's shots and basically okay. chunks of shots, like, you know, a section of, um, let's say, it could probably amount to around 450 frames or 500 frames of work, like maybe eight spread across eight shots or whatever. And we got a good, I mean, fair amount of uh, time to ramp these up. Mm -hmm. And it's all quota uh, driven. So we have specific deadlines for certain milestones in the shot and, mm -hmm. but it's all like, you know, it's nice, it's nice spaced out, I would say. So we've kind of like gone the journey chronologically. Can you, can you take me skills wise or like any Eureka moments through that journey? Because you've been, you know, your progression seems to be pretty like there's never been a plateau base. I'm sure maybe it doesn't feel that way, but like, you know, on paper, it's like, you just kind of like keep grinding and like are just accelerating through your career pretty steadily was were there moments that you struggled were there moments where you um like discovered you know any kind of tricks to to understand how to relate to a shot or get things done quicker or to higher quality what what kind of things that, i don't know if it's it's been a while but like thinking back to your or you know probably happened a lot earlier in your career and those early kind of jobs were there kind of eureka moments you could share well, I mean, in terms of the way I work, I think for for sure all of this has. Uh, uh, I mean, there have been places where been times when I've really struggled as well, and there have been times when um, you know things have gone really well. Um, I think my formative. I mean, the first few years that I spent with DreamWorks 
the, the DreamWorks India unit was, I would say for sure, like the toughest part of the journey. And then also when I just transitioned to move to VFX in Framestore, it was also something similar. Uh, I think in India, when it, came, when it came to the DreamWorks India unit, I was so used to blocking and you know progressing through a shot in a particular way that I had to completely change my mindset. Uh, so we used to operate, we used to keep, we used to have a small window to communicate with the team over here in Glendale. And so we had to be very concise in the way we uh, communicate with our blocking, for the matter, even uh, the, the different stages in a shot. What that forced us to do is to focus on portions that are more important and not worry too much about something that's, that's not really uh, you know, as, as as much important. So we didn't understand all of that in the beginning. We kind of went through the regular way of doing things. So that re required a bit of drilling from, you know, our soups and hokas back then. And uh, I remember, uh, uh, you know, like, for example, a shot, let's say a, a character, let's say crossing, moving from screen left to screen right, and then picking up a cup of coffee or something, or, you know, maybe picking up the phone and hearing something dread, dreadful or something. You wouldn't really want to spend too much time blocking the walk you would probably just have the, the guy transition and then focus more on of your energy on you know how this whole thing happens you know how he's going to pick the phone and what's going on in his mind and all that sub subtext so uh it's just a lame example but then it's kind of what we were trained to think of and it it that really helped us over the years because you know that's kind of the model that we follow even to this state like with the timeline shrinking, it really helps when um, you're concise with what you want to communicate with your blocking and only focus on what needs to be really shown and then leave the rest for later. And my workflow kind of really went through a lot of changes. So I didn't, I stopped using that step approach of blocking, you know, it started to get a little more messier, but at the same time, I started to feel a little more in control and I wasn't freaking out as much. But earlier, I used to be like, you know, a little too much uh, jittery about any, doing anything that's out of... Uh, my way and when it came to vfx as well right like i had the same kind of thought like just on paddington like you know i i was finding it hard to really communicate the ideas in the right way that would be acceptable and and with all of the 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 camera plates changing it made it even more trickier for me i wasn't getting the right response as well sometimes like you know you didn't know if it was reading really well it was playing really well the way they wanted uh so i kept wondering hey am i doing well am i not doing well and that kind of thing used to creep in, but then eventually it all worked out well. You know, I heard from them that, you know, I did pretty well. So, yeah, I mean, there have been times like that and um, thankfully, I've, you know, worked through those situations. T tell me about the, that transition you mentioned from you used to block and step. And so you're referring to like now you, you don't block and step, you block and you are, it's already it's, blind. And yeah, now my, my workflow has evolved to an extent that it's now obscure, I would say. Okay. It's <laughs> because, a combination uh, of things and or yeah, methods. It's like, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, so basically to summarize, I usually, I mean, almost always use the copied pairs method. Um, so and can you explain that a little bit? So basically, yeah, copied pairs is like, it's basically how you do it in step, but at the same time, I'm not using step tangents, but I'm using spline or, you know, what we call it clamped. Uh, a copied pairs method ensures that I get a pose and I hold that pose for as long as I want in that shot. And then I get to the transitions and then I hold the next pose and then I have another copied pair. So basically these copied pairs are ensuring that uh, I am communicating, communicating my key poses uh, the right way. And I almost go about uh, fleshing out the transitions to a fair amount. Like, you know, the transitions wouldn't be like, you know, uh, all together, I, I would I'd probably be leading with the arm or leading with the head, 
uh, those kind of ideas I would do. But then wherever these copied pairs keys are, I would just leave them. So you can see that in my blocking, like, you know, uh, when there's a transition, I would probably do the uh, the overlap or the, the drag and the follow and all that stuff. But then when I hit a post, it just sticks there. So it's basically a combination of stepped as well as doing something's plain. Yeah. That's awesome. I don't think I've heard that phrase before, but the pair meaning you've got you, to hold that pose in time, you have the same pose keyed, you know, on frame 10 as it's on frame 20 yeah. or whatever, just to hold yeah. that 10 frame area of like, yeah, 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 we're yeah. not going to get out of this pose for that. So the copied pair. Okay, cool. Uh, what it does is that when I go further into the anim pass, it's just that portion that I'm really worried about, like, you know, how am I going to keep that alive? Like maybe uh, the easins and how is it going to settle in? Or probably uh, I also do this where, you know, I have a set of keys and if I if I want the character to be around the same pose in those particular in that particular frame range, I would probably add keys in between and probably have some activity in between that. Like so, you have these sub beats, but it's all based on that one main pose. So it's kind of a little tricky for me to explain. Like I said, it's kind of messy. <laughs> yeah. Do you, and do you find it like when you're starting? Do you, do you find it in the process, or you have like a clear idea always from the beginning, or you're kind of like, let's try this, let's try that, or because because to me that's also you know I still struggle with that kind of basically basically moving holds or keep alive or however you want to describe those areas where you know the character needs to be alive but they need to stay in a certain pose. How how do you how do you keep it unique and like creative, even when you're working with one within a pose like that, how do you find? Yeah, to me, it's a lot of trial and error. Okay. I mean, I make sure that I give myself enough time to do all of these because, you know, timelines don't really usually allow you to, you know, try out as many ideas and stuff like that. But then I just make sure that I give myself that much of time. Uh, for sure, I would like to explore ideas and I don't really stick to any one particular idea. I'm always waiting for those happy accidents at times. Uh, always thinking because you know uh, to me my sh the progress of my shot is a constant it's a process of where I'm constantly questioning myself is this the best idea and even so to a point where even when I'm in like you know let's say probably transitioning into, into polish I would still be asking myself those questions like hey uh, my arms don't feel good over here like I probably needed something else so you know uh, every time I look at my shot it's like like how I would look at it fresh like how someone would look at it fresh. So that being the case, yes, of course, like I always keep adding and trying out ideas, let's say within a pose, trying to add a sub beat to see if uh, something enriches it more or, you know, if it's making it too busy. Does the sub, do the sub beats ever inform going backward? If you're always questioning in, in that idea, does that ever lead to being like, let's throw out this section altogether? <laughs> or is it always a progression forward? Do you have to kind of take a step back sometimes or how, how's Absolutely. I mean, yeah, yeah, there's that moment as well. Like, you know, that many times where uh, you feel that there are too many things happening in the shot because of that, and you would like to simplify things. And, um, you know, this again, like uh, you probably shot your lead or your soup and then have a conversation and then it feels like too many things going on and uh, you probably have to scrap out a few beats in the shot. Like that's happened a lot of times to me. And I'm, I'm up for all of that. Like, you know, I really like, I don't mind doing any number of changes as long as I to me it's like you know what matters most is what if I'm happy with the shot because uh, at times when uh, when you're showing stuff in production like there are different solutions to an idea and many things might work and you know chances are that you show something that you're not really happy about and 
your soup might like it and your lead might like it and might just go through the director might like it but did you like it is the question so that's something that can give me sleepless nights so <laughs> i ensure that i'm happy with that before i go and that's one reason why i tend to make sure that i take my time to make sure that you know i try out all different possible combinations and experiments before i show it to my lead or something and are are you shooting reference of yourself ever or is this just kind of like thumbnailing in in the software or how are you kind of doing the trial and errors uh it's it's a combination i would say like i'm not the best when it comes to references that's another thing because you know i come from a culturally different background right like so so what happens is that my gestures and the stuff that the way i would enact would be different and i often wonder how um, the people around you know i mean uh over here in america like the gesture and when you see the reference it's it's right there like you know the performance is right there so to me it's difficult so i need to do that much more to really get my performances to that to a level that uh, it kind of resonates with the people over here so that's uh i i often find myself shooting reference and sometimes just scrapping them off sometimes it works really well and the, the times like it just happened a couple of days back like i shot reference for about for an hour or so and then i came back to my desk and i just started blocking the shot completely disregarding the reference and i was like i don't know something about the whole process of shooting the reference got me thinking and got me started i didn't question it so i just went with it and at the times like on pussin boots i religiously followed my reference like i just went almost like in twos and i just did stuff that i did in my performance it kind of complements the show style because you know it's more realism based so yeah i mean it's again a mixed bag yeah that's awesome so some of my audience are from india as well or they're there in a a program there or they're they're the the sense that i get is they they don't see a way out or a way in or i i should say a way out of maybe india if they're trying to leave to go somewhere else or a way into the industry because maybe you know there's a few places like mpc or you know there well now there's more frame store speaking of which now has a mumbai office but a lot of like animation specifically doesn't seem to be housed in india as much broadly speaking there's a lot of compositing and roto and tracking and you know all these other departments what what advice would you have if any or if you had to do it over right now and and being in india and trying to get your foot in the door animation wise is there anything that you would you know give give someone an advice in in that situation uh, did you mean to say that if in case they wanted to try out feature animation versus yeah i think i think any of it i mean a lot of the people that i get are kind of or that i you know this per this kind of imaginary collection of people that i'm imagining they don't care <laughs> they love animation and they'll do whatever it takes to get any job and so and i think part of it it speaks to the fact that they're beginners and they don't even know there's a difference so i think that differentiation is is lost on them to a degree because they're so early and new to it but yeah and i don't know what what do you think because I, I you know i i reach a limit i i feel like i can't even really give advice because i've never been in that situation geographically or limitations of whatever they they may have there so uh, is there anything kind of unique to that situation that you might be familiar with you could talk to about that um uh, i kind of agree with you cuz cuz the ecosystem there in india is completely different to what it was in the past like you know at least when i was uh, pursuing animation back in 2007 2008 it used to be like all feature animation excitement like you know pixar was doing its best stuff there and you know people were super inspired by that and like you know uh wanting to try out and pursue animation a feature animation but then uh, 
currently it's all VFX. And I kind of understand the fact that people they just don't, but perhaps like, you know, like even my feed on LinkedIn, like, you know, it's got all creature animation stuff. But I mean, it again boils down to what you're really interested in and how much of uh, it drives you. Because um, there are people who want to pursue feature animation, but they don't have enough avenues in, in India. There are a few companies that are doing pretty well. There's Technicolor, and mm. uh, Technicolor has got Micros in Bangalore. And then there are a few other companies like there's uh, India's own 88 Studios. They're doing some uh, some nice work. And then um, advice-wise, I seriously, I mean, I would just say the same thing, like, you know, just focus on upping your stuff, like, you know, your feature animation, uh, focus on doing more character performances and uh, uh, more something that's more uh, grounded and something that's more cartoony. And, and I would say if you were to look for places outside of India, then there are enough opportunities as well, because places like London and, um, uh, you know, Canada have really started to open up to, Indian candidates and it, it's not like how it used to be before and I would say that should not discourage them so um, yeah I don't know I'm I'm, I'm not quite that's yeah no that's great that's encouraging to hear because like I, I don't know what that process is like to you know pr pursue in that in that area I've you know I've just been in America and Canada now in the UK and so yeah any insight like that that's super helpful to hear that transition historically is is taking place and just seeing it yeah from a numbers game you know, I, like I've mentioned frame store opening up there and, you yeah. know, mentioning Technicolors has a big presence. And so that, yeah, it seems like the opportunity is there. If people are willing to put in the work, I think, I don't know, in general with most things that people underestimate how much work this takes to get Absolutely. to a hireable state. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's one thing that needs to be, I think that awareness needs to kind of be a little more, I mean, people need to be a little more aware as to where they stand when it comes to their work and then how much of work needs to be put into, you know, for them to really be considered in bigger studios and also the amount of time it takes because, you know, it's a lot of time investment. Again, it's a balance, right? You know, a lot of them are happy with what they do in India. I mean, it's good, understandable, and there are some good companies that get to do some good work, but it's again, but uh, what do you want to do? We're getting on to about our, our 30 minute mark. Do you, would you want to, do you have time to share the kind of, I don't know, breakdown or the, if you've got the stages of that shot you had in mind, would you want to share that? Sure. I mean, okay. uh, I was wanting to talk you through, I think I had saved some time back, um, the, uh, a shot from Boss Baby 2. And cool. it's, yeah. Uh, let me just see if I can share my screen. Okay. And for the transition, I'll say for the podcast. So at this stage of the podcast, we're actually going to transition to uh, showing a breakdown. If you want to see this, check out the Digital Creator School YouTube channel, and I'll have a link in the show notes to this video where he's generously going to share a breakdown. And it is, is, are there any for the podcast, is there any kind of last uh, minute advice or things you would like to impart uh, on listeners who are curious about you know, their own animator's journey and, and how to get there? Well, I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there already. I mean, there's nothing new that I can say, but one thing I would like to say is that I think all of us need to keep in mind is that our talent will make the initial inroad and it's your character that will take you further. How far you go is, you know, is, is really based on how well you adopt and mold yourself to different situations. I mean, you may be the most flamboyant of animators, like, you know, you have the best skill set, but I mean, if you don't know where to use what, and again, it goes to say that, you know, we all start with the how and the what, and then we graduate into 
the when and the where because you know you you need to know when to do certain things and where to do certain things and it's i think the journey of an animator is all about exploring that and really understanding where to utilize uh, your ideas and where to put in and sprinkle in something yeah i mean uh, i think that understanding would really propel you to higher i think that's a great I point I, i've recently had a student who was learning about overshoots and started their first body mechanic shot and they were putting overshoots in places where they didn't need them but they were checking the box on overshoots but i was like if you don't you need an overshoot here <laughs> um, absolutely so it's knowing when when do you need overshoots or not not just that they exist in animation but how and when yeah all of that that's absolutely important that's kind of a feedback i got from my mentor um at the end of animation mentor it was like you know you're doing pretty well but then uh some of your actions are very contrived like you know there was a gesture i was doing the hand you're just doing it just because it's animationy, and you're not really thinking okay fine this is gonna really happen in reality so that's something uh staying true to performances and staying true to what actually happens is what is more important so that's yeah great. i mean yeah that's great advice <laughs> thanks yeah thank you sure so i'm gonna be sharing my screen perfect if you want to see what Prashant is about to show us, then please check out the Digital Creator School YouTube channel. I'm gonna post a link in the show notes here as well so you can access that video. He's gonna break down his process of how he animates, at least on this shot or two shots on Voss Baby 2. He's generous enough to spend about another 30 minutes with us and show us how he approaches a shot like that and has so much appeal and character and entertainment in it. It's very great to see behind the scenes on that. So check out that YouTube video whenever you have time. As always, you can check out animatorsjourney.com if you want to begin your own animation journey, whether that's creating a career, whether that's switching careers, whether that's just wanting to you know, be curious about animation and work on your own projects, you need to have the skills to do that. And that's what's preventing you from getting from point A to point B. And Animator's Journey is the bridge between those kind of goals. And so if you would like to join, check out animatorsjourney.com. Sometimes enrollment it comes and goes so if you can't enroll right at this moment then hop on the email list or apply and you'll you'll get on the email list for when the next enrollment begins and currently i have a webinar that i'm putting on right now that's all about a career in animation as well so you can take that free webinar if you want to do more than just this podcast um so thanks for listening to this episode and i hope to see you in the next one and of course always there's previous shows if you're just now finding the show uh check out all the previous episodes and i will see you next time thanks for listening